I think what I'm hearing from my listeners is still everyone wants a tip. Everyone wants a shortcut. Everyone wants to know the easy way to invest. And while I can't, again, but not being a financial advisor and not being qualified for this, what I'm trying to say to them is this is not an easy game. On this episode of Early Bird, Phil Muscatello, host and founder of Stocks for Beginners. Phil joins us today to discuss lessons he learned from his podcast, including the importance of an investing checklist. If you're an investor looking to stay on top of the latest market trends, then you're listening to the right podcast. This is Early Bird, and I'm your host, Stephen Lerner. Before we get to today's discussion, let me tell you how you can save time and beat the market through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter featuring commentary about the latest trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and equity crowdfunding. Early Bird is designed to help individual and non-professional investors stay on top of all of the critical investing trends. The newsletter is 100% free and is sent to your email box each weekday morning. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now, today's discussion. Phil, thank you so much for joining us on the Early Bird Podcast. Welcome. So, Phil, how do we get in touch with uh, your podcast? Uh, It's uh, called Stocks for Beginners. It's very easy to find in any podcast app, Stocks for Beginners. There's a website, which is a a little bit under construction at the moment, uh, stocksforbeginners.net, where you can uh, get in touch as well. And um, it actually came based, we were talking online about what the story is because I've got a podcast called Shares for Beginners and one called Stocks for Beginners. And that's because just over three years ago, I started a podcast here in Australia called Shares for Beginners. And um, it took off very quickly, unexpectedly quickly. And I think it was because shares was in the name and people, when they put shares into their podcast app, that was the first thing that came up. And so I thought... Why not have a have a crack at the Big Apple at um, the United States? So I created one called Stocks for Beginners, where I got um, many guests from the United States on, and that's been growing as well. And it's it's actually fantastic that I can be here in Australia, in Sydney. Uh, currently in winter, I might add, which is very cold. Uh, well, actually, not as cold as what it's going to be for you next winter up in oh, the, boy, the I heard, Hemisphere. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's going to be very cold, but. Um, uh, it's just incredible the kind of people that are willing to come onto the podcast and mm. talk stocks and co- talk investing and trading and giving lots of good advice to people who would otherwise have no no knowledge of where to start. You've been doing that for some time in the podcast, right? Three years, three and a half years, yeah. Three and a half years, an amazing time to be doing a podcast, especially on investing. Um, the mm. market has changed so much. Three years ago, less than three years ago, we were talking, it's a bull market, everything's going up. Not so much this year. Um, No, it's an an interesting time. And it's, um, this is something that I've um, been finding. I've actually, I've got so many guests on and it's like, investing in the age of inflation and hearing all of those different perspectives as well. Are you finding that as well? That that's kind of the topic du jour? Yeah, it's inflation. It's, 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 the growth stocks um, going into crypto, it's a decline in crypto prices. They're all kind of, you know, linked to one another. Um, investors, mm. I'm finding um, last year, I, I, you know, early bird started last year and it was, it was such a different time. And what a difference a year makes. Investors at that t- time were, were treating it 
I don't want to say like gambling, but they were treating it, um, you know, without care. And now there's a lot more tension. But I do think the bright spot is a lot of new investors. And we've had millions of new investors since the pandemic started. The bright spot is that this is an opportunity to educate themselves. And the next time we do have a bull market, these new cohort, this new cohort of investors, I think, will be more prepared um, they won't be going into the meme stocks anymore. They'll be making better decisions. They'll learn fundamental analysis and technical analysis. And along the way, you have podcasts like yours and mine that'll be really suitable for them as they're beginning their journey as investors. It's interesting as well, the the number of guests that I've had on who are of a different generation yeah. and they're battle-hardened investors. They've been through the, through the global financial crisis. They've been through the tech crunch of the early 2000s, some even through the 1987 crash. And to hear their experiences and what it was like for them, um, the context is completely different in so many ways, though. Uh, the 87 crash there was no electronic, well, there's only very, very small amounts of electronic trading. There were still pieces of paper yeah. uh, going across the New York, the floor of the New York Stock Exchange. And uh, I, I remember hearing one guest saying about that they didn't actually clear all of the paperwork of the day of the 87 crash until almost two days later because they actually had to physically write down all of the trades. Um, and these days, I don't know, it feels a little bit different. The crashes and the movements, while volatile, happen so quickly that they can correct much more quickly as well. I don't know, but this is the feeling I'm getting when I'm watching, um, say, the S&P 500. It's like one day it's up, one day it's down. One day it's up, one day it's down. But it's, it's like this long, slower trend. And then when it changes, like in March 20, it's a very fast upward movement again. This is just my impression from the outside, and I'll just preface this by saying I'm not an in, an expert in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, we, we are not financial advisors. Definitely seek out a financial advisor before making any big mm -hmm. decisions with the stock market. Um, you have a very popular podcast. I'm sure your listeners reach out to you from time to time. Um, this year, with the stock market being in the state it is, what are they telling you about their situations? I think what I'm hearing from my listeners is still everyone wants a tip. Everyone wants a shortcut. Everyone wants to know the easy way to invest. And while I can't, again, but not being a financial advisor and not being qualified for this, what I'm trying to say to them is this is not an easy game. It's not something that you can just take up overnight. This is something that you've got to learn. It's like learning a new language. You're not going to learn it in five minutes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. The best investors in the world spend many years educating themselves, learning, um, because there is so much to learn. You mentioned fundamental analysis. You know, some of the best investors have a fundamental approach. Um, and I just, one of the things that I've learned and from one of my guests is to have a checklist. And um, I just wanted to speak briefly about the checklist. Mm. Um, sure. It sounds important. Absolutely. It is. It's, it, it is important. And the thinking behind it is, um, you know how sometimes people from different industries get together and they realise that they can learn something from the other industry or other area of expertise that they can apply to their own area of expertise. And this is where a surgeon was talking to a pilot and then realised that a pilot 
doesn't do anything in the plane until they go through a checklist. And in surgery, where you think the stakes are much higher, um, they didn't have a checklist. And there's, there's a book about the checklist and it's just very important. And then this investor has taken the, the ideas of having a checklist. So when he does fundamental analysis, he's going through a checklist where he's worked out these kind of metrics in the company um, balance sheets and reports that he sees. And at the end, it spits out a score that says whether he thinks it's worth investing in or not. And this is very much a Warren Buffett-based value investing approach. Mm. Although he does have one little aspect of technical analysis in there. And I know that you're very interested in technical analysis as well. Somewhere. So talk, talk to me about technical analysis. and Yeah, I really you know, don't follow too much technical analysis, but I know that for a lot of retail investors, it's becoming more of an f- important thing. I, I sh- focus more on fundamentals. Um, that's just mm. how I kind of look at things. My, prefer- my preference is always going to be at a value stock. I, I, you know, a lot of the investors who have been hurting recently from the growth stocks, that's not me. I'm not one of those. I will say, though, that this market right now, um, what's, what's really striking me as interesting is you're seeing a lot of the pandemic darlings. This is the thing that, just, that I've noticed. Um, those pandemic darlings, they kind of fall into one of two categories. So the pandemic darlings, just so everyone knows, these are the stocks that performed very well during the pandemic, during the lockdowns. These were the stocks. Peloton. The Peloton, iPad on a bike. We're talking DocuSign. We're talking about um, Teladoc, all these stocks. In fact, there's so many of these tech-driven stocks that did very well in the pandemic. Two types of these stocks exist. These are the, the first type. These are the ones who realized, you know, the pandemic will not last forever until we need to evolve our business. And there's several of those out there. And they're great bets for the long run. And then there are the Pelotons that you mentioned that didn't really reinvent itself, that kept doing the same old, same old, whether it's Peloton or Teladoc, they're just the name two. Those are the ones that I think are just, they're going to suffer the most. I, it, you can put Robin Hood. In, in, in that same bucket too, Robinhood is not going to be worth what it anywhere near its IPO price probably. We'll see. But that to me, I think, is kind of the big story. A lot of investors are scared of the pandemic darlings. I take a different approach. I think it depends on the darling. If the pandemic darling has evolved, if it's moving beyond its traditional revenue source, I kind of like it a bit more. If it's looking at you look at the Pelotons, ones who haven't evolved, I w- those I would avoid. Um, it's, uh, it's, interesting. it's interesting that you use the word story mm-hmm. because I think this is what happens. So many people come into the, the stock market. They don't really have any idea of what's going on, 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 but they've got this story. It's like, you know, oh, we've got a pandemic, remote working, work from home is a big thing, so these are the stocks that are going to benefit from that. Um, for, you, for yourself... Okay, you might be hearing a story like that, but um, what are the fundamentals that you would look at in terms of valuing some of these stocks and possibly now that they're a bit unloved? Yeah, I, I got to go with the PE ratio. That's the number one thing I look at. Um, but then I want to see, you know, debt to income ratio. I want to see, you know, are there, is there are the revenue going up? Um, if it's a dividend stock, is it a good dividend? Because just because you have a dividend, it doesn't mean it has a good yield. So I think that I don't look only at dividend stocks, but if I want to factor that in, it has to be a strong yield. 
Um, and, and so I want to take a look at that. Is this a company where it's actually growing? And, and, and I don't like to say buy on the dip always, but you know, you want to buy a stock when it's down. You know, it goes without saying, everyone knows that, but that, that's just something that has struck me as just so important. And that's just something that um, technical analysis comes into it. And this is the, the way I've heard it explained is that fundamental analysis tells you what to buy. Technical analysis, technical analysis tells you when to buy. <laughs> Good point. And um, I just wanted to just dwell on that. And again, I'm not a technical analysis expert, but I've mm -hmm. read quite a bit about it. And I've got friends who swear by technical analysis. And what they're saying is you're seeing the psychology in the charts. You're seeing the way markets are feeling about charts and just simple concepts about resistance and support, um, volume, and these kind of things are really important. This guest that was on the podcast who was talking about the checklist, he's got one form of technical analysis. And this, this has changed my life, this technical analysis, because, you know, you usually see these daily charts with candlesticks and you're seeing things in a very focused manner. What, what, the, what that's doing is showing you what's happened yesterday or the last week and nothing much else, where his chart is a five-year line chart monthly, okay? So all he's looking at is the price action of the stock over a five-year period, and he draws these two simple lines through it. It's called a three-point trend line. It's, I mean, it's very difficult in an audio uh, context to explain this. But looking at a chart that way for me has zoomed out for me and made me consider much more about the long-term horizons that are really important. Interesting. When we return, we'll hear from Phil about what goes in an investing checklist and learn more about his investing journey. But first... Let me tell you how you can become a more informed investor through Early Bird, a free daily email newsletter. Early Bird has commentary on the latest events and trends in stocks, cryptocurrency, and crowdfunding. With Early Bird's daily weekday email, investors can quickly stay on top of the trends and beat the market. Subscribe to Early Bird for free at www.earlybird.email. Once again, that's earlybird.email. And now... Back to today's discussion. So, uh, Phil, today you know we're talking about our experiences that we've had as podcast hosts and, and, and talking to different guests as well as our audiences. You mentioned this checklist. So I, I take it you've used this checklist yourself um, as an investor. And I guess if that's the case, what, I guess, what are some examples of things that might go on a checklist? Well, to tell you the truth, I don't use the checklist. I've been <laughs> through it <laughs> many times and have gone through. It's things like what you're talking about, um, price earnings ratio and um, uh, free cash flow, um, strong game. balance sheets and those kind of things so that you're not uh, – I think one of the important things is to have a company to be wanting to be invested in a company that has – very strong balance sheet that you don't want a lot of debt yes. you want a company that when there's a downturn which is we're yeah. finding at the moment mm -hmm. cash dries up mm -hmm. <laughs> cash just disappears and the companies that have got a good strong balance sheet with a lot of cash on the books they will survive these times because they don't have to go out and borrow money or raise money at um, insane rates um, for me my own personal story 
I hate to use the word journey, <laughs> so overused. I want to call it the investing safari or Camino, something different. Mm -hmm. But for me, in my own personal investing, I suffered from what's known as the Dunning-Kruger effect, which many men <laughs> pray to. <laughs> and that's where you basically think you're smarter and know much more than you do. So where I've gone from individual stock picking, very poorly for many years, um, with the assistance, I might add, of a financial professional who should have taught me a few more things, but, you know, really it comes down to me and what I've done, uh, to now basically being in broad-based ETFs because I've got six podcasts and it takes up a lot of my time. And I do understand that to pick stocks individually does take a lot of time and I don't really have a lot of time to do that. So I've really pulled back. My own investing is long-term, ETF-focused. You know, I've got Australian ASX 200 ETF. I've got S&P 500 ETF. Got a couple of bond ETFs and some cash. And that's basically it. Nice. So that, mm. that's a nice, smart way to look at the market. A lot of investors, especially beginners, the, you know, that's a good way to go, you, especially if mm. you, you, you don't have the time to learn stocks or you know I'm a beginner. You know, that's just – that's a very smart way. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Absolutely. That is incredibly smart. And, and it's also – there's so many micro-investing apps these days that are mm. available to make it so easy. I mean, I believe Betterment's one of the bigger ones in the US. Yep. Is that correct? Betterment, Stash, mm -hmm. Acorns. The, these are all some of those apps where you can buy coffee and you can use your spare change to invest in an ETF or something. That's Those, those apps exist out there for sure. Yep. And the magic of compounding mm -hmm. as well, the, the absolute magic of compounding. Yes, absolutely. Mm. So how about you? Have you made any mistakes investing? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> Lay it on the line I, I now, think, Stephen. <laughs> I think we always learn from our mistakes. Personally, most of my money also goes into ETFs. That Those are the safe accounts. Those are my retirement and tax advantage accounts. I put them in there. But outside of that, I do invest in both the public and private markets. Um, to be honest, my private market accounts, especially in, in real estate, have actually performed better this year than anything else. But um, I'd say the biggest mistakes I've made, certainly there have been stocks I bought at wrong times. Uh, 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 but I think beyond individual stocks, and I'm not, and I don't mean to disparage the company, but years ago when I was just starting investing, I bought into the whole peer-to-peer -peer model. Um, and I invested in Lending Club. Now, did I lose money? No. But did I make money? No. That, and that, to me, even though I didn't lose anything, it was time wasted with Lending Club. Um, I'm not saying peer-to-peer -peer is, is bad. You know, I've explored other private market opportunities since then that have worked out for me. But um, I've learned at that point that you know, just because it's private off the market alternatives, which I'm all for, you, you still you still just can't expect to have the same type of returns. There is a good amount of risk. You know, I always say that um, even in the newsletter that we put out for Early Bird, equity crowdfunding, huge fan of that. I think it's a great way if you're looking at alternatives uh, for an investor, small portion of a portfolio, you know, I th it's one of those options. But there's always a risk because you're investing in a startup. So... Uh, definitely look at alternatives for your investors. That's 
what I always recommend for retail investors, for early beginning stage traders, but make sure you know the risk. Uh, a lot, you know, crypto is another great example. I I'm all for crypto. I have money in crypto, but there are so many scams out there in cryptocurrency. Uh, it, you know, you have to do your homework. The, the great thing about ETFs, for example, if it's a reputable financial institution, you're not you're not going to lose your money in terms of scams. It, it, you know, it, it's there's it's you you should be confident in what you're getting with when you have an ETF. That, and that's kind of what I've learned is make sure you really do your homework when it comes to risk, especially when it's outside the public markets. When you're talking about the private markets, you really need to do your homework there to gauge potential risk. So. Phil, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Early Bird Podcast, telling everybody about your experiences. Um, before we you know, wrap up the Early Bird Podcast, I just have one final question for you, and it's sure. the, the big question for today's discussion. Um, that question is, if you had a cookbook, what would you name that cookbook? The Southern Italian cookbook of family strength and honor i i would buy that book that sounds interesting <laughs> thank you again to phil muscatello for sharing your insights on investing and thank you to everyone for listening to today's discussion we'll be back next week for another episode of early bird have a great day